Good morning, Refuge, and thank you for welcoming me into your home this morning. My name is Jason Vaughn, and I am the worship and associate pastor here at Refuge Church in Walterboro. And this morning, I have the opportunity to share a message with you, so I'll be spending the next uh, several minutes with you and just sharing what I believe that God has put on my heart for His church. And uh, I can't begin to tell you how much I miss your faces, how much I miss seeing you in this room and how ready I am to get back to church, but also how ready I am to see some new faces because I believe that the church has grown in a season that Satan planned for our demise. I strongly believe that. I want to address two things very quickly, and I just, I just want to say this. One, this message has been prayed over, and I never stand before you without bowing before him. That is where my strength comes from, and, and I put in my time, and I put in my research in the word, but more importantly, I try to sync my heart up with God, and I ask God what it is that he would like me to share with his church, with his people. So just know that this message has been prayed over. And secondly, while I might be confined to this screen, right? I'm, I'm stuck right here. God is not. And if we didn't believe that online ministry worked, we wouldn't be doing this. But we know that God's hand is not too short and his heart is not too far to be right where you're sitting right now. So just invite him into your living room. We can get close and we can get personal in this time. And I ask that you would do two things as we lead this out in prayer. One is, would you, would you be willing this morning to ask God to show you exactly what it is that he wants you to see right now in this moment? I believe that this is a message for, for this moment right now. I don't believe that you are seeing this by mistake. Whenever it gets to you, I think it is intentional. And the second thing I would ask is that, that you would Allow him to show you what your next step is to get closer in that relationship with him. So let's, let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity. I thank you, God, that, that I get to share your word. I thank you, Lord, so much for your love, for your grace that abounds. God, I thank you, Lord, for your mercies in my own life. God, I thank you for the way that you have blessed our family. God, the way that you have blessed this ministry. God, we trust you. And at the end of the day, God, this is all about you. And I pray that in your name, God, that you would just be right in the, the very living room where this is playing. God, that you would just... Uh, Stay a while, God, that, that people could feel your presence even now in this moment. God, and I pray that life change happens even now. It's in your holy and wonderful name, Jesus, that we pray. So this is a message that I have today that is, is, is for the sinner but it's also for the saint. And I believe that a lot of times when this message is heard, immediately Christians just go ahead and they, they push it off and they go, oh, I've got that taken care of. I don't need to worry about that. And I, I don't think we could be further from the truth. So I wanna jump right in. We're gonna start reading in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 11, starting at verse one, it says, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab, his servant, with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon 
and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful and was very beautiful to behold. And so David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is that not Bathsheba, the son of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. Then David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah the, to David. And, and when Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents and my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. So then David says to Uriah, wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And at the evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So the first point that I wanna draw your attention to this morning is that sin is its strongest during times of separation. Sin is its strongest during times of separation. So what, what was David doing that got this whole process started? What was David doing that led to this? And it says that David sent his armies out, but he stayed back. David was alone. And some of you might already know this, but a place of isolation is dangerous. Men, if we're being honest right now, can we admit that, that isolation from other people can cause problems for us? Can we admit that, that we weave a tangled web when we're left to our own devices? Families, what is the state right now of the country? Everybody has been separated into 
a place of isolation. See, this whole thing escalated so quickly, and I just want to take the time for us to break this down and to observe what I believe paints a very vivid picture of how we get caught up. And I believe that we are to shine light into the darkness, and I believe that when we do that, we can see the snare for what it is. And if we see the snare, we know how to avoid it. So how then does sin slip up on us? What well, starts with separation? This time right now that we are currently in, where there's not a, a soul in this church, and I'm sharing this message with you, this is a time of separation. If we're not careful, hear me on this, if we're not careful, we leave lots of room for sin to sneak in. You know that hindsight's 2020, but before every bit of this story unraveled, David was alone. Number two, Sin grows quickly. See, it doesn't take long for the full unraveling of a man or a woman when sin starts to take hold. And in and, church culture, it's said a lot that sin takes hold, and that's because that's exactly what it does. You don't have your little pet sin under control. Just think about these verses we know how it ends, but how did it get there? It went from a glance to murder. It went from eyesight to homicide and a thought to an action. So if you have acknowledged your own shortcomings today, if you would be willing to admit that, you have to admit that sin grows quickly, more quickly than you can control. Number three, sin replaces hope and love with guilt and shame. That is the intention of sin. See, David was in a place of power. There was, there was not much that he could have asked for that he wouldn't have had right away. And beyond that, David even knew God's faithfulness, even as a little boy. And David knew God's favor even as a little boy. He knew success and he had hope for the future. But when sin gets involved, all of those things are replaced by guilt and shame. That is the goal of sin. See, Satan wants nothing more than for, for you to be buried in every bit of guilt and shame that he could pile on. See, that's the very thing that will keep some of you from repenting today. Shame sets in and you don't want to even admit that you have a problem. It might even be uh, because of embarrassment, but it's shame and guilt because you know you're undeserving of such love and such, such mercy. And so in your mind, you cannot possibly fathom how a good God could love you. And those are lies from Satan. Hang with me. We're going to get to the solution there. But first, I want to, to tell you a little bit more about this thing called sin. Four, sin ends in death, period. 
See, James 1 and 14 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, which is what happened here in this story. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So what is sin leading to? No matter where it starts, no matter how small we might think it is, when sin starts, it is hoping to grow full grown into death. There is no good ending to sin. Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I was thinking about this and pondering, and I'm an illustration guy, so I was saying, okay, God, show me how I can display this in a way that that will have a lasting effect on us. So I'm going to throw up this first chart. I want you to look at this. This is a simple bar chart, very simple chart. And I want to show you an illustration to bring this to life. Because this says wages, meaning that something has to pay, has, has to be paid here. And what that means is, so, so as we stand broken, if we've not entered a relationship with Christ, or if we are allowing sin to run up an invoice against us, something has to be paid, the wages of sin. So in this illustration, Let's just say we have God, we have family, we have church, and we have country. Because I'm going to just throw out our, our, basic, um, our basic values right now for the typical American, right? Let's just say that. So let's just say if it, it looks like this. Now, we're able to put this in percentages right now so that we could break this down evenly. And as, as you look at this chart, you see that we have God at 50%. We have a spouse at 20%. We have children at 15% because God intended for uh, you to love your spouse first and then your children. We have the church at at 10%, again, because your family is your main mission. If you're not winning at home, you're not winning anywhere else. And then let's just say we throw in some, some country pride there too. And so now we've got everything that, that, that comes out to all of our values. This is life in a nutshell. This is what we are saying that life is. And now I'm not saying that my breakdown looks like this, okay? And I'm not saying that these are biblical numbers. Do not search the text for this. You will not find this bar chart in the text, What I am hoping to do today is get an image burned into our minds. So now if we look at the the wages, right? And let's just say we're talking money now, okay? We'll give a nice, easy figure and just say $100,000. And if we're going to break up these percentages, based on this, God is worth $50,000, your spouse is worth $20,000, and so on. It's easy math, right? So I have a question, and that is, what happens when we add something to this picture? When we add something to our values? Well, since these are percentages, we can't add anything new without first taking something away. The whole of these numbers has to be 100%, no more 
So let's just say in this scenario, we add a little sin. What do we take away from? Look at this second chart. We've already decided that these are our values. They are all important. But to add to this list, something has to be taken away. And if the wages of sin are high and the interest grows quickly, what do you take from? It's going to affect everything that you think is valuable. Understand me on this. Sin will affect everything in your life that you think is valuable. And let's just say your first invoice for sin has come due. It cuts your values in half. So what does that do? You see this, this change on this chart that ultimately looks like this third chart. And what happens is by taking your values and taking a little bit off of every one of your values, cutting every one of those values in half, now your initial down payment on sin is the most valuable thing in your life. It only goes downhill from there. But it was just a little bit of sin. Look how big that sin is now. Now let's just say that we're not talking about money anymore. Let's say that we're talking about time. The Bible makes it clear that we are but a vapor. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. So we do not have an excess of time. Everyone always wants more time, but no person can create more time for themselves. So if the wages of sin is taking 50% of your time on this earth as a whole, how much have you lost? How much have you lost? See, this is how sin quickly demolishes an entire life. Just in that one transaction, everything you know has been cut to be less valuable than that sin. You have, whether you choose to believe it or not, you have elevated sin above everything else in one moment. That's the way sin works. It is a wedge. It is something that separates us from everything that God has intended for us to value. It's exponential until ultimately it leads to death. The main reason for this illustration is the sole purpose of a call to action. This is so that any man or woman can see a visual of all of the things that you love being taken away from you. Because sin does not paint the picture this way. Sin feels good. Sin looks good. Sin might even seem like the norm today. But we get caught up. Just like David did in this scripture. David starts out and it starts out with, with him being alone. And then it starts with a, a glance. And then that glance turns into, hey, bring her to me. And that bring her to me turns into a baby 
And in the process, David is willing to take the very person who is a faithful soldier, who is the best kind of guy you can have at your side. David is willing to take that and say, you know what? I can't do anything with this. He won't go home to his wife. I can't conceal this. I can't hide this lie. I can't hide this sin. So instead, he must die. And David sends this faithful servant to the front lines to die, to cover up his sin. Sin is always at a cost. A wage always has to be paid for sin. And most people, unfortunately, don't understand what sin has taken until it is too late. See it for what it is today. It is at a cost that a man gives himself over to sin. There is absolutely no time in your life that you can commit a sinful action or omit and perform a sinful action that it doesn't take a piece of you, that it does not cost you something. Number five, your sin affects those around you. It's not just you that's being impacted by your sin. See, I've heard people, because we live in this life that is very self-consumed, I've heard people say that I make my choices, it's my life, it doesn't affect or bother anybody else. But it's just not true. Sin leads to broken homes, broken hearts, broken dreams, and everyone in your circle feels the brunt of that. Beyond that, I'm here to tell you today that there are children, sons and daughters, spouses, mothers, fathers, grandparents, pastors, neighbors, and even complete strangers that have called out to God on your behalf, just rooting for you. They're standing in your corner and they're hoping that you just get this right, that you just take all of this weight that you cannot carry and you lay it down at the feet of Jesus, the only person who could do something about it, and you surrender to his best for you. So that's sin. And now I believe that this message is timely because most of us right now are separated. And separation a lot of times leads to weakness. Unless we make extra efforts right now, we may not be in communication with our church family. We're not just automatically gonna see them on a Sunday. So unless you have called somebody or text somebody or talked to somebody on a, on a video call, you maybe have not seen your church family. We might not even be in communication with our blood family right now because everybody's trying to stay safe. So in that, routines are shattered. And as routines are shattered, that can mean bad things for your relationship with Christ because that time that you typically spend with God is no longer on a schedule because our lives are no longer on the same schedule. I want you to think about a visual of a lion prowling in a savanna. It gets real low and it waits. It looks patiently waiting for one to break off from the herd. See, when the herd moves together, they are strong. There's nothing that lion can do. But when they step away, we all know how this plays out. The one straggler is devoured. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking, lion seeking whom he may devour. 
So what does that mean for you? Well, it says, be sober and be vigilant. <clears throat> for some of you, that means literally be sober. You're trying to drink away your problems. You're trying to drug away your problems. And really all you're trying to do is create a numbness so that you don't have to feel the pain that is real life right now. But I'm here to tell you that hope and love and joy is found in Jesus Christ, not any of those things that will leave you empty. Be sober, be vigilant. That means to be in God's word, to study, to understand, to, to turn off Fox and NBC and ABC and CBS and stop listening to what is on mainstream media and start getting in the word. God's already seen all of this before it happened. COVID was not a surprise to him. Race wars were not a surprise to him. So how do we be vigilant? How do we be sober? Well, we have to have a clear mind that is focused and centered in Jesus, in the word of Jesus. We have to have time to call out to God and say, Lord, show me what you need me to see. Just like the prayer that we prayed at the beginning of this sermon. And we said, God, just show me what you need me to see right now in this moment. Help me to be sober. Help me to be vigilant. So what does this all mean? Well, if you've not yet entered a relationship with Christ, I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am that this video made its way to you because you are the intention of everything we do here at Refuge. But I'm gonna tell you something that's, that's kind of scary and it might be something that's hard to, to take in but if you haven't entered a relationship with Christ, you're dead. You're dead. The wages of sin is death. We're all born into sin. This is a broken world. And so you might be thinking, well, did he just call me dead? Yes, I did. And I ask you to that in response to your concern there is what man can breathe lungs into or breathe air into his own lungs? You can't do it. The word says that separation from Christ is death. But see, it doesn't stop there, and this is where it gets good. Because a person cannot know resurrection power until something in their life has died. So don't get stuck on the fact that you're dead in sin, but get stuck on the fact that if you trust Jesus as your Savior right now, you're about to breathe for the first time. You are about to come alive. Some people today might be stepping out of some graves. I believe that with my whole heart, that this message will reach you right where you are and you fear the, feel the Spirit drawing you and you know that Jesus wants you to enter a relationship with him. And I pray that this message sits down on you like the weight of the ocean until you are willing to take a drink from the well that will not run dry because nothing else will satisfy what you are chasing after, I promise I want to read from Romans 8, starting at verse 3. It says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son and the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It does not matter how hard you try. It does not matter what kind of beautiful thing you have built with your life. If you're not in Christ, you cannot please God. Verse nine says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Number six, please write this down. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. Jesus conquered sin, death, and the grave. This is the best news that I have for you today. It's that the battle is not yours. The victory has already been given. And all you have to do is take part in that victory. It was not free. It cost more than you can imagine. The creator of the universe cared enough for you that he would send his son for this exact season in your life to die on a cross so that you could come to life. He lived a perfect life. He was fully God and fully man, and he carries the weight of all of our sins on that cross. He conquered sin, death, and the grave so that you and I could come to life. So that you could know peace in times of chaos, so that you could have joy in the middle of the the storm, in the middle of, of the morning. The price was paid and is still being paid today. So are you willing to lean into that and to come alive right now? This isn't for somebody else. This is for you. If that's your desire today, if you're moved by this message of the gospel, just know that the word says that the spirit has to draw you. So if you're feeling that calling right now, don't put this off. Do not wait. You have this opportunity now. The Spirit is drawing now. Jesus, he he, he never asked that you come to him cleaned up. He asked that you come just as you are. You don't have to get your life straight first. You may be busted up. You may still have to come to him with last night's alcohol still on your breath. You may have to come to him with drugs coursing through your veins. Maybe this is what would be your last breath because you have decided that you would end it all today, that you cannot take the weight of this life anymore. But right now, you're hearing this message. And if that is the case, the Spirit is drawing you to enter a relationship with Him. This message reaching you is not a mistake. I'm not anybody special. I am somebody that is willing to say, God, show me what you want me to say right now. Show me what you want me to sing right now. God, show me what you want me to do and let me do it the way that you would have me do it. And then everything else 
is orchestrated by him. This is not an accident. God is trying to get your attention right where you sit. And if that's you today, I want you to stay with me. But I also have to draw attention to the fact that this message is for the believer too. So Christians, listen up. Do not miss this. Do not sleep on this. Sin will destroy your homes. It will destroy your marriages. It will damage your children. It will sever relationships. It will steal your calling. It will ultimately take everything from you. And the posture for sinners is repentance. See, you might be stuck in a sin pattern right now. But the word says that you're no longer a slave to sin. So step out of that today. Stop wasting the limited time that you have thinking that this does not affect other people. It affects everybody in your life. It affects every one of your values and it's gonna take way more from you than you're willing to give. Stop wasting your time on things that take your focus off of Christ. To say you have trusted God, I, I just, I just want to say this, and listen, this is hard right here, okay? But to say that you have trusted God for your salvation and then continue to abuse all of his graces without repentance is a call to ask yourself if the relationship even existed. That's not easy. But you wouldn't purposefully hurt the ones that you love. And if you're in a relationship with Christ and you love him and you love his people, then you should be seeking to do his will. Because all that other stuff causes damage not only to you, but to his children. So would you be willing today to take the posture of repentance? Would you be willing today to ask for forgiveness? See, you haven't had to have this conversation with anybody recently. Maybe you don't even have anybody to hold you accountable in this very time and season in your life. And so I'm willing to step into the gap and maybe even make some people mad to say, hey, God is trying to get his people's attention and he wants his children to know his voice. And his voice says to step away from the things that would lead to death. God is good and he is just and he is sovereign, but it also says in the word that he is a jealous God and he wants your undivided attention today. So Christians, will you be willing to step up and, and get rid of that thing that you think is a little pet sin, that little thing that you think you've got in control? Would you trade those things out? Trade all of those ashes for beauty. Would you be willing to say, God, show me how to walk one step closer to you today? See, David was a man after God's own heart, but he got caught up. And to say you or I are, are better than that or better than him is crazy because I know what it's like to be caught up and it happens fast. 
I ask again that you, you just seek that God would show you exactly what he wants you to see in this moment as we pray out. God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, that uh, condemnation is not where you leave us. God, I thank you that when we, when we feel condemned, God, we know that our forgiveness and our healing comes from you. God, we know that, that every bit of, of grace uh, that you have given us is sufficient. I pray, Lord, right now for the person that wants to enter a relationship with you, for the, fir- the, the person that for the first time has felt the Spirit calling. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to be able to admit that they are a sinner separated from a holy God, a sinner in need of a Savior. God, and I pray, Lord, that, that you would get them to the place where they believe God. that when Jesus died on that cross, he took every bit of sin with him. And he did that so that a personal relationship could be established between you and them. God, and I pray that from that point, God, that they'd be willing to step up boldly in their relationship with you and make it known, God, because this is not something that could be concealed, God. When you cross over from death to life, you have to tell somebody. So I pray that they would be able to confess with their lips, Lord, that you are their savior. Let them submit to you as the Lord of their life, God, so that they can follow after you with their whole heart. And God, know at every slip, at every fall that you're willing to pick us up. If only we take the right posture. God, I pray for the Christian that is far away today, God, for the person that needs to come back home. God, for the person that has lived their own life in selfish intent. God, for the person that thinks that their sin has not damaged them. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you would just give them a glimpse of what sin ends in, God. And I pray, Lord, that they would see the peace, the joy, the love in your eyes. And God, may they choose you today over those things. God, may they ask for forgiveness and get that under the blood and understand how to answer the calling that you have placed on their life, God, to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody else. God, we give you this this country. We give you this world. God, none of this is a surprise to you. God, you are still sovereign and you still sit on the throne. And right now, we lean not on our own understanding, God, but we lean in to to hear just a bit more from you. God, let us all know how to step closer to you. It's in that holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Refuge, I just want you to know uh, today that you are loved. There are people working behind the scenes to make sure that you know that uh, the the reach is still there. It's just a little different now. And we want to make sure that you have all the resources that you need. Uh, We we have our Facebook page and, and just about everything goes up there. We encourage you strongly to get involved with any small groups. You can do that from the comfort of your own home by, by meeting online. Several have set up with a, with a video chat um, format, and it makes it really easy for you to just join in and have some encouragement, to have some people around you 
do not try to do this life in isolation. We all need good people around us. And that is what the church, the bride is about, is about that community together. So get involved. We have plenty of resources for you. And uh, I just want to say too, uh, that we are so thankful for all the giving that has taken place in this season. Again, I can't say this enough, but this is a time when I feel like Satan planned our demise, but instead God has stepped up and grown his church in this time. So thank you for your, uh, your giving. Uh, you can do that online. Uh, you can mail in uh, a donation if you would like. But, but again, probably the easiest thing is to, to just go online. Um, and, and we thank you so much for the fact that, that you're willing to back this ministry and the, willing, the willingness to believe in, in what we're trying to do here. And that is just to, to love, to lift, and lead people to Christ. Um, so thank you so much. I love you guys. Uh, get the word out. If this was your first time hearing a message, please just drop a line and let us know. Uh, and, and also, if you, if you chose today to enter a relationship with Christ, if you felt the Spirit drawing and, um, and you prayed to receive Christ today, please let us know. It just helps us gauge where we're at right now. And um, you guys have a great week.